Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Thursday edition is here as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Trey Wallace joins us in 20 minutes. We'll talk all things SEC football with Trey from Outkick.com. Looking forward to that conversation. Armando Salguero in about an hour and 15 minutes from now. He'll join us at uh, 3.15 Central, 4.15 Eastern, as we will dive into NFL Week 14. In between, a lot of conversation about all the headlines across the sports world. Gentlemen, good afternoon. I feel very prepared for whatever comes our way on this show today. We've got the old smoky mug yeah. in front of me, which is beautiful in so many ways. Uh, I've got a napkin here, just in case. You never know. <laughs> just the napkin's ready. I've got coffee next to me. I've got water uh, I've got Twitter in front of me. I've got the YouTube feed in front of me. I am ready to go today, and we have a number of topics to get into. And two great guests that's doing great work at Outkick.com with both Trey Wallace with college football, Armando Salguero with the NFL, and Paul Kuharski's here with multiple shirts on. I, on the other hand, forgot. This is my new thing, shirt jackets. I, on the other hand, forgot my, uh, it's very 90s my usual grunge. water supply, uh, but I have access here. I have been given this uh, Yeehaw beer glass, though I don't, uh, we were discussing earlier if it's clean or not. Uh, it's, it's fresh I, off the, uh, I like it the as display, display outside. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if I should drink out of it or continue to use it as a display. Paul it's, it's, the like a, it's like a late night show where you don't know if the mug is there for you or if it's there for a prop. Yeah. Is this always the guess? Is this water? Is this for me? Is this <laughs> yeah. water in here? What is this? So they reach down to get a drink Paul? or something. Paul, is this for me? <laughs> Paul had the audacity to ask us about the history of that glass. Is this glass put down here for me? How well, old is Hutton's it? Where did it come from? Has someone been drinking out of it? He's got four in front of him. I only use one. I use the mug I bring in each day for the for the water, and that's it. I trust one thing that I take home and wash. <laughs> Everything else is is for display. This only. is all for display. It it looks great. <laughs> it does. It really add some spices up our settle. I'm bit. very tempted right now as we talk about beverages and glasses to spoil next week's primary complaint, but I'm going to save it. Okay. There's a tease for you. Long, long time for that to deliver. Paul, I almost got into an altercation at a pharmacy today. Oh, I love that. Um, Do tell. I was at Kroger Pharmacy. Pharmacy altercations up, are right in the top Picking five. up some medicine for my, uh, my two-year-old daughter, and uh, I just, I, I'm very confident knowing I'm going right to the window to get it. There's no one at the window. You know what you need. Know exactly what I need. It's going to take 30 seconds. Oh, so I no, stroll no, right not. up to the window and I notice there's a, a pair of, of women that are sort of circling an aisle in the pharmacy. Like vultures. Well, they're just, they, but they're very meandering. It looks like they're looking for where to go. They don't know if they need to go to the clinic area or to the window or the pharmacist. So I just very assuredly stroll right up to the window. Yeah, indecision kills. And the lady, uh, we make eye contact. She comes right to me for pickup. Yes. Start to say my name and I hear... Excuse me, I'm in line back here. 
And I know she wasn't in line because we walked up at the same time and she was going to the side. She was in the area before me but had no clue where to go. So I walk right up to it. Keep in mind, there's no one else in this place. It would have taken her 30 seconds to wait, but instead had to say something. This is where people say, if you see something, say something. This is where I'll say, don't say a damn thing. Just sit there and wait for the person to get their medicine if you were confused about where to go. You don't need to wait 20 feet behind. This woman in a mask, 20 feet behind, I'm going up to the window, she's back there waiting, but she wasn't waiting. I went up there with confidence, walked right up to it, and then she had an issue with it. And I, I was the bigger guy. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know there was a line starting back here for this open window. I'll step back. Step back, let her go. Another lady walks up. This is where I became a bit of a smart aleck. I said, are you starting a line 30 feet from the entrance also? <laughs> and she said, laughed and said, no, I came in here after you. I was like, okay, I didn't know if I need to jump behind you too. Is it okay if I stand here where it says wait here, which is like three feet from her? Yes. And then the woman that was with the lady who had the attitude said, oh, I'm not in line. I'm just with her getting some. I said, oh, good, good. Then I'll wait next. Thank you. And then nothing like else was said. She I think got it. She handled, walked out. I have no critique of this handling. I think you did about as well as you could. Though I, my slight adjustment would have been, I just would have proceeded with my transaction. Because oh, I'm not sorry. I'm at, the, I'm at the open window. Nobody yeah, that, was up here. You were there. That, that would have been. There might be a line back there, but there's an open window up here. But I mean, it was very, we also arrived at pretty much the same time. They just walked off to the side. I walked straight up to the window. I mean, they're not in line. I see them in an aisle getting something, and I'll walk right past them as they're getting something in the aisle. Then they go to the back of this make-believe line that they started. The thing is, anyway, if this the is a moment open, where you just don't say anything. Yeah, if the window's open, there's no need for a line. You just go to the window. Well, you look around and say, oh, there's no one else here. This person clearly is in a hurry and knows they're going. I'll just wait till they get theirs, then I'll get mine and go. Well, I hope uh, but the, no, person had to say something. the person in need of the medicine is uh, is doing well. I'm glad to know everyone's Medicaid. in the Christmas spirit at Mount Julie. <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. <laughs> Merry Christmas, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, can you add a Reese's uh, uh, tree to that, please? <laughs> she probably would have said, it's happy holidays. <laughs> Don't you Merry Christmas me. Get out of here with that Merry Christmas. How dare you assume. Yes. How dare you, sir. Happy holidays. Uh, what a holiday gift. Time Magazine is giving Simone Biles, naming her Athlete of the Year. Simone Biles, who bowed out, is named Athlete of the Year from Time Magazine. I didn't even see that. I saw Sportsman of the Year was Brady, I thought, right? So they have a Sportsman of the Year and an Athlete of the Year? Athlete of the Year for doing something non-athletic. I mean... Weird. Uh, that's Weird and just doing it for the sake of getting the attention for the magazine. Absolutely. That's, all, that's what they're doing. And honestly... I don't accept the award if I'm her. Like I would just say, no thanks. You know, g give it to my teammates who participated in more events than I did. If we're going by athletics, if you want to raise the, she raised awareness for mental health. But it wasn't mental courage health. award or something. That's even separate. We could debate the merits of that as well. But that's that's separate of athlete of the year, right? That's an athletics award. Yeah, but this isn't even a mental health issue. This is a she got the twisties issue. Right. So the twisties are more comparable to uh, Steve Sachs getting the or uh, not being able to and throw Chuck the ball Knobloch. to first base or Chuck Knobloch 
or a putter getting the yips. And I'm not making fun of those people. Those are, are serious things. A gymnast up in the air, two and a half flips away, has a much better chance of breaking her neck on her way down than Chuck Knobloch does when he can't throw to first base. But that's a that's a mental issue you have to overcome to complete your game. That's not a mental health I mean, maybe it's a mental health issue to a degree. It's not the same thing A.J. Brown was talking about when he was talking about contemplating suicide. It's not the same thing Roger Saffold was talking about this afternoon out at Titans Press Availability where he lost a parent last year and had anxiety and stuff that he was talking about today in one of the cleats he's wearing for – he's wearing two different cleats this weekend for my cause, my cleats, and one of them refers to an anxiety, depression thing. Depression, anxiety, all – a big issue in sports right now, and I'm not saying the twisties wasn't a big issue for her, but it doesn't fall into the same basket to me. So if you want to give athlete of the year to somebody that's brought enlightenment to society over athletes dealing with anxiety and depression, that's one thing. But I don't think that was really her issue in that moment. Well, I'm, I'm reading the story from Time Magazine right now, and they mentioned the twisties in sentence number two as being the reason that she was out, Paul, to your, to your credit about the twisties. She would later reveal that she was suffering from a frightening mental hiccup known as the twisties that left her unsure of her whereabouts in midair. As the greatest of all time, in parentheses, GOAT, in a sport that captivates the globe every four years, Biles is all about control. Her life is dedicated to micromanaging every possible element, her diet, her training, her sleep, that goes into performing. So when the lights are brightest and the stakes are highest, Little is left to chance. But for Biles, control isn't just about winning. It can be the difference between life and death. I mean, that, that's all fine. I don't know how it makes Athlete of the year. Athlete. I, I just don't, I don't know how you get into a room and you're discussing things. I, I think the, the discussion was, how do we get the most attention for handing out this award? Yes. And was there spe- separately a sportsman of the year? Because sportsman, sportswoman well, of the That's a sports year. illustrated deal the sportsman of the year is that's not sports this is this is this, this is, is time, time, magazine. Magazine. Oh, time magazine i'm sorry yeah so sportsman of the year is tom brady which is a more sensible award in line with again if you want to give some sort award. of uh, merit award for her decision that's a separate argument than athlete of the year where there are more decorated olympians to choose from or you could in, call the, it- in this process from this olympics that you go with um suny lee says for the magazine, what Simone did changed the way we view our well-being 100%. It showed us that we are more than the sport, that we are human beings who can also have days that are hard. It really humanized us. That's great. That's not talking about an athlete of the year, though. That's talking about someone that's done something bigger than sport that should be acknowledged. When the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is given, that's given for efforts outside of football. That's not given to the best... It just happens to be with the Titans. It's on the, with the best player on the team with, De- with Derrick Henry, but it's typically given to someone that's not the best player on the team per se. What they do that's is an athlete of the year award. Immediately create uh, uh, a debate about the right. definition. So most interesting athlete of the year? Sure. She could qualify as most interesting athlete. Athletic accomplishment. Most of the time we hear athlete of the year, we think best athletic accomplishment of the year. Was she the best athletic accomplishment of the year? Absolutely not. No. Oh. Could she qualify as the most I mean, interesting based, based athletic this, story of the Naomi year? Naomi Osaka was the runner-up, I'm guessing, based on her bowing out of press availability. Yeah. Right. I mean... But very, Athlete of the Year? I mean, uh, Otani would be a, a, a candidate for that. 
Sure. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people who are candidate, Tom Brady, a candidate for that. So they're taking the athlete of the year, stretching the definition of it. Most interesting athlete story of the year? Maybe. Most interesting athletic accomplishment of the year? Absolutely not. Well, and they're clear. I mean, to Hutton, your point about gets eyeballs on it, you know, we're now talking about it. It's done in large part to that. bring attention to Time right. Magazine and this award. And I'm looking at paragraph three, and they're quoting Colin Kaepernick. What does Colin Kaepernick have to do with Simone Biles having the twisties? We can all put two and two together. They're sure. trying to paint a side and get people from both sides to well, either don't, don't have all of or another side to have, love it. I mean, that's, nearly that's all of on. all of sports media all over this uh, touting how courageous Time Magazine is for making this announcement. ESPN yeah. will jump all over this, and it's not. It's it's to me. This is the sad part of it. It's a business decision. Of course it is. Right? It's not... The Time Magazine probably doesn't even care. You know, the person who wrote this probably doesn't even care about Simone Biles and her accomplishment and all the different uh, different tricks in gymnastics that's named after her that's cited in this. It's, it's an eyeball thing. It'll get tons of clicks and retweets, and they've accomplished what they want there. Uh, but when I see it pop up, I'm thinking, athlete of the year, now? Athlete of the year? I mean, she's the greatest of all time. There have been other years where her athletic accomplishments are, are very worthy of athlete of the year. Last Olympics. But, you know, if you give it to the, this is where the business of, uh, of magazines and websites come in. If you give it to Tom Brady, we're probably not even mentioning it, right? Because, oh, well, that makes sense with what right. he did at his age in a new team. I mean, that's... Well, we didn't mention Sports, uh, sports Illustrated making him sportsman of did the they? year. Did they? Was he sportsman? Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't even know. <laughs> to your point, Paul, I had no idea because, oh, well, that makes sense. That's a, that's a, that's a well-done uh, award for him and something that makes sense for the, the magazine. I need to double-check that, but I'm virtually certain. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 is where you can find us. Uh, tonight, Thursday night football, Steelers are visiting the Vikings. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this with the long weekend coming up after Minnesota's game. They could fall to 5-8 and eight with a loss to Pittsburgh. I could see this being a must-win game for Zimmer. Oh, I can too. I think, it, I think it probably flips. They're coming off the terrible loss to Detroit, and Pittsburgh's coming off a big win yes. um, against a, a rival. No I doubt, could see it, it flipping from those results. No Adam completely. Thielen and maybe no Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was iffy yesterday on whether or not he was going to play. Yeah. They have Madison, who's very capable of taking over. And still Jefferson, who's one right. of the five best receivers Absolutely. In, in the league. Uh, Roethlisberger, short turnaround, generally beat up after a game, very physical game against the arch rivals, right? Always, uh, that's a big training room game. Steelers and Ravens, um, you know, won by a, a missed two-point conversion on the last play of the game. I won't be surprised at all if Minnesota comes out and wins this one tonight just on on those things because everybody everybody's expecting it to go the other way. Oh, Steelers are built off right. that win, and Minnesota's fallen off now I, after the terrible – I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Thing. I think it will be a very close game. Minnesota plays close games. <laughs> That's just what they do. It's like Baltimore. Baltimore, uh, you're going to take the opponent to cover whatever the spread might be. Uh, and this is this may be a pick 'em for all I know. I haven't checked the most recent uh, FanDuel odds, FanDuel.com slash OK360. I bet it's less than three. Um, random, but I'm actually going to give the NBA a little credit right now Uh-oh. because they are 
on the precipice of having Pittsburgh's a young plus three and a half. Plus three and a half. Um, I would take Pittsburgh. I the NBA is on the precipice of of really unveiling. They're doing a great job of this. A young star, Obi Toppin from Dayton, with the under the between the legs dunk in the open floor last night for the Knicks. Uh, major market, young star dunk contest. All of that is great, and the fact that he's doing all these high, flashy dunks in the middle of a game and getting eyeballs and attention is awesome. If you haven't seen the between the legs dunk from Toppin, go saw YouTube this dunk. That's it is actually not excellent. his best dunk of the last week. Well, it makes he me took think. an alley oop more in the flow of the game in traffic from somebody on the Knicks and was way over the rim and jammed it, which I found more impressive. Thought, this was a dunk contest dunk because he was yeah, on the open court. I thought it the was the other uh, one I'm talking about was in the flow of play, but he's oh, catching eyes in New York yes. and clearly. And the Knicks have not played. They had a big winning streak early that got people jazzed. Now yeah. the Knicks have leveled off. They're like a game below 500 But or he's something. catching eyeballs for but sure. But I'll say last night was a good night for the NBA because you had Steph Curry going for the record for threes, and then you had Toppin doing highlight dunks. So it's dominated on a morning like this, on a random Thursday in the middle of football season. You've got all of those highlights going. It's a good night for the association when normally they're a non-factor. As opposed to the 73-point win? That we talked last time oh, we talked yeah. about the association. Well, the story this season to me is Steph Curry and yeah. what he's doing right now at this point in his career and how he's you know, I'm not gonna start making the Jordan comparisons, but the comparison with Jordan would be he's bulked up. I mean, he's doing it in a very similar way, but it's a little bit different. Physically, he looks different than the start of his career. You see the change in Jordan as he got to the point where he wasn't jumping over people as much. He's backing people down at the elbow and perfecting the, the fadeaway, what Steph Curry's able to do at this age is really remarkable. Also remarkable, and we're going to talk to Trey Wallace about this coming up, is Tony Elliott's propensity to stay in the head coaching discussion while clearly not really being interested in, in being a head coach. And that may change, but Pete Thamel is now reporting Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott is expected to decide soon between offers from Virginia, Duke, or staying on at Clemson. He has not pulled out of the UVA he's search a bridesmaid, yet. this guy. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what he's probably going to end up doing, and that's staying at Clemson once again. More on that with Trey Wallace plus SEC discussion. We'll take a glimpse, the first glance, at some of the bowl matchups across the Southeastern Conference, and we will discuss what happened in Atlanta and what it means for the college football playoff. That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora NutriScience, VitaLifeScience.com. Uh, Aurora keeps us mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them most, your body. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. VitaLifeScience.com is where you can go and see more information. You can also order these vitamins. Receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Code OUTKICK360. Typical pills and capsules that you're going to get over the counter are not well absorbed. Here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. What this means is when you use these supplements, it will stay in your body. You're not going to waste them. I personally use vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, simple, single-use packets you can grab and go with in the mornings. 
But the benefits don't stop there with just those three supplements. They have a variety to choose from. Aurora supplements absorbed in the bloodstream through the GI tract. It ensures it's not wasted like a capsule or pill. Visit VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A LifeScience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360, VitaLifeScience.com. OUTKICK360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Trey Wallace with us from OutKick.com. He covers the SEC, all things Southeastern Conference and beyond. Trey joins us as we talk some SEC football, take a first glance look at some of the bowl matchups and much more. Trey, how we doing? Gentlemen, good afternoon to you. Hope y'all are doing well on this Thursday. Absolutely. Uh, your, your reaction to what happened, what transpired in Atlanta when you were watching the Crimson Tide take down Georgia, and ultimately, did it change your outlook for the college football playoff on how you think things will play out? Man, it was a um, – Kirby Smart, I guess, summed it up well, what he was doing with his football team during the week. Before, you know, weren't really practicing the run game too much. He thought that they would have to get into a, a shootout through the air, and it came true. You know, we, but, I, but I think we also found out that this Georgia team hadn't really been punched in the mouth yet all season. And for them to, to, to try to be able to come out of that hole that they were in, it was just too much for them. Like, I – I know Stetson Bennett had over, I think it was 343 yards passing, uh, three touchdowns, but he also had two crucial interceptions, one that went back for a pick six. And then you look at the Georgia defense. Um, man, not much pressure on Bryce Young, Jonathan. And, and when you don't get pressure on Bryce Young, he's going to beat you. He has the receivers. I mean, before Mechie went down with an ACL, um, he had over 89 yards. And we're not even counting, you know, Davis Williams, who had – over 187 yards receiving, uh, two touchdowns. I just think you look at this football game and how it went down. Georgia, I don't know, prepared is maybe not the right word for it, Jonathan, but I don't know if, if they could have handled a, a dogfight, no pun intended. I mean, when you get into a battle like that and you're going back and forth and then you have that huge deficit, I think that it might benefit Georgia from what happened this past weekend, but Alabama really punched them around. And I know you saw it too, being in Atlanta, Trey, but the despair from Georgia fans after that game and the way they lost to Alabama, you could feel it. Uh, it was palpable. We'll have plenty of time to break down college football playoff and all of that. I, I want to get into the recent hires in the SEC at LSU with Brian Kelly, at Florida with Billy Napier, and just your assessment on the early moves made by those guys, Trey. You've got Frank Wilson, a big and important hire at LSU. You've got Billy Napier, hiring the defensive backs coach from LSU, which is a big and important hire, especially for recruiting for Billy Napier. Just in the early going from what they've done so far, what's been your impression of both coaches? I, I like what Brian Kelly did by going out and getting Coach Wilson. I, I do. I, th I think that helps him when it comes to recruiting, especially in that area um, down in Louisiana with his family. Um, but you, know, <laughs> you, you look at what... I really loved what Billy Napier did with Corey Raymond. I love that hire because what you're doing is you're going right into their backyard uh, to get a guy who's, who's been around the LSU program for so long who can recruit the state of Louisiana, who can recruit the Southeast, who you know brings that experience to the table. And that's what Billy Napier needed. You know, Billy Napier 
is is a is a good head football coach from what we've seen at Louisiana. But he's also a CEO type where he's going to let the defense do their thing. He's going to try to handle the offense and whatnot. But you also want to surround yourself with guys that you know you're going to be able to build a football program around. And that especially starts with the coaches. And I, I think we've seen that when it comes to the recruiting that, that's been going on right now at Florida. You look at LSU. I'm interested to see which way they go when it comes to how they're going to run their offense and what style do they run their defense. I think the biggest part of when you look at that is, is how, how are the players that are currently in your system going to fit and what does the defense look like. Look, Brian Kelly was, was out of left field type of hire. And I, I, maybe he ends up doing some good things at LSU. But if you ask me who I think was the coach that will benefit the most from the hire at the place that they are at, I think that's Billy Napier at Florida compared to Brian Kelly at LSU. I, I, I could just see things blowing up in three to four years down in Baton Rouge with Kelly a little bit less than, than what you know could happen with Billy Napier at Florida because I think Billy Napier – is the type of coach that's going to get the most out of his players. He's going to hire. He's got look the the salary pool that they gave Billy Napier. He's going to be able to go hire a really good staff. And the way that he runs things, I think, will carry over from what he did at Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana, however you want to put it, and carry it over to Florida. I know. Look, I know the recruiting stinks right now, and we might get into that. Um, but I think looking towards the future, I think the right hire in my mind or the better hire might be Billy Napier over Brian Kelly just because I don't know what Kelly brings right now to the table in Baton Rouge because he's been at Notre Dame and that one cycle type of deal that you get in South Bend. John Wilner of Pac-12 Hotlines uh, has a couple people telling him that Phil Knight is on the chase for Lane Kiffin. You think there's still one potential move uh, with somebody moving out of the SEC? Paul, I'd be, I'd be very hard-pressed to think Lane Kiffin would go take the Oregon job. Now, let me say this, too. I'd be hard-pressed to think that there's an AD out there. And let me preface this. If he was not involved in the Florida search, the LSU search, um, wasn't even sniffed for, you know, you look at the Miami situation and what went on down there, uh, because if there was a perfect fit out there for Lane Kiffin, I thought it was going to be Miami, and I, I said it on the show. But Miami thought that, they, okay, we can go get our homegrown guy and Mario Cristobal, get him to come. So they ended up doing well. Lane Kiffin to Oregon, you know, the, the biggest thing that comes to my mind, Paul, about that is what else can he do at Ole Miss that he has not done already? Is Lane Kiffin going to win 11 games at Ole Miss? It's going to be tough because you're going up against Alabama, A&M, LSU, maybe Auburn pulls it back together. Arkansas and Sam Pittman are doing things like – I, I don't know if he'll be able to break that record again. Like, he got to 10 wins this year. Can he get to 11 wins? I don't know how much more Lane Kiffin can do at Ole Miss. Maybe if he lands Arch Manning, who who knows? But I think with an Oregon situation, if Phil Knight – look, if Phil Knight wants somebody, he's going to go get them, or he's at least going to offer them the most money that he could to be able to try to pull that off. I just don't know if Lane Kiffin is really involved – with this Oregon job. His agent, Jimmy Sexton, loves to float his name around for these jobs, no matter if he's in it or he's not in it. One more out of Pac-12 territory. Commissioner there is suggesting, let's not schedule games 12 years out or 10 years out. Let's leave some dates open. 
for the potential to schedule these games, but then let's wait and see who looks like what uh, right up maybe to that offseason or the offseason before. Sounds ingenious to me because some of these teams now are, are punished for having scheduled what looks to be a good game uh, when they schedule it, but then is not a good game when it's played. Uh, you think there's any potential for something like this to happen? You know, I would hope so, Paul. I, you know, I, I don't see – I don't see a big to-do about scheduling a game 13 years from now. I really don't. I, I don't care. Who knows where we're going to be in 13 years, if we're ever going to be alive to see the game, and, and if you know the uh, school might go through four coaches. I, I think that having the opportunity to keep some windows open, you know, five, six years from now, something along those lines, I think is a positive for college football because there's so many big-time matchups that you can negotiate over that time period. You know, I, I get that you're trying to set a date, and sometimes you have to take, for instance, like USC versus LSU in Las Vegas next year. You know, you have to try to set those dates a long time in advance because of just how crowded the facility is and how hard it is to get an event in there. But if we're talking about like home and home type series, I don't see a I don't see why you need to go out and and do this. 10 years, 12 years in advance. It really doesn't make sense to me because you can easily buy out of these games. Like, it's it, 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 it's not a problem. Tennessee's bought out of multiple games uh, the, the past number of years. So, you know, and, and other schools have well. So I just don't see the big deal, you know, of scheduling 12, 13 years from now. Let's leave a little time open. If, if there's some matchups, some big-time matchups that we want to see in the next four to five years, that beats the hell out of watching, you know, a, a team play Army or UConn, or something along those lines down the road. Like, Give me the big-time matchups now. Let's stay in the Pac-12 and that Oregon job, Trey. And it seems like you might, if you're from the, the, the SEC or the Southeast, the Eugene, Oregon may as well be Jupiter based on Mario Cristobal bolting. I understand it's his alma mater, but Willie Taggart, after one year, just had to get out of Oregon after he got a head coaching uh, job there. Um, does that make it more important at a place like Oregon to hire someone that fits from that region that either has coaching ties there that's been there before that's from the West Coast? I, I guess what I'm asking is with the last two hires bolting for another job and not being fired, does that bring up the situation where Oregon needs to either not keep it in-house but keep it with someone that's been on the West Coast for, for a long period of time? You know, Chad, it, it almost makes me think, okay, do these – and I'm going to say this nicely. Do these coaches respect what Oregon brings to the table and in their opportunities to win a national championship? Because, you know, you look at the Pac-12 and you look how it plays out, Mario Cristobal would have had to gone up against Lincoln Riley. That's it. I mean, pretty much. Chip Kelly's not doing much at UCLA. Um, so when you look at it, like it's set up for a perfect opportunity, especially when we get down the road – you know, when it comes to the playoffs. I think when it comes to those type of jobs and those destinations out west or those those certain specific areas, you know, I look towards a guy like what Chris Peterson did at Boise, you know, and then kind of moved, you know, moved on to, to Washington. But, it, you know, it, it's still out there. You know, it, it's still in that type of area per se. I look at what, you know, Oregon's trying to accomplish, and I, and I think that they don't need to get burned again. Because you can't keep having this type of turnover. And here's the thing, too. It's not like they're having turnover because they're bad. They're having turnover because you've got these other schools. I mean, their last two head coaches 
have now moved, well, did move on to schools in the state of Florida, in the ACC, and then Mario Cristobal takes an ACC job. So you just have to wonder, okay, do we try to go get a guy that we know is going to stick with us and know can fight for a national championship here and is not going to dip out? It's hard to find in this college football world. We've seen it the last three and a half weeks that there is no loyalty to any school out there whatsoever. Um, But I think if you're Phil Knight, you better dump a bunch of money if you want to keep Oregon relevant and also keep them in that national championship picture, especially in the Pac-12. Or hire Justin Wilcox, who's an alum, who you know is not going to leave, because, Trey, you're right, that they're one more coach leaving away from having a well-earned reputation as a stepping stone job. And that's weird to me for a program that's been in two national championship games in the last 12 years. So we'll move Oregon on for the Pac-12, though. Yeah, it shouldn't be, which is weird to me. Let's move on to the ACC now and the two openings at Virginia and, and Duke. Pete Thamel's reporting now that Tony Elliott, Clemson offensive coordinator, is in the mix of both jobs, apparently been offered both jobs, because now he's just going to sit back and decide between head coach of Virginia, head coach at Duke, or returning to Clemson. My question, Trey, is if he returns to Clemson, and this was a bad year offensively for Clemson, he's still getting head coaching opportunities. At what point is Tony Elliott Bud Foster and people just stop bothering because he's a career assistant, when he continues to get great opportunities to be a head coach and decides to turn them down to continue to be an assistant coach? You know, that's a great comparison, Chad. Like, it really is the Bud Foster. Um, I, I look at it, you know, finally, after all these years, Brent Venables made the next step. Um, but Brent Venables has got a bigger name. Brent Venables has been around. Brent Venables has been wanted for years and years and years. He finally made that big step to Oklahoma. Tony Elliott, you know, Tony Elliott, let's be honest with you, Tony Elliott had an opportunity to take Tennessee job last year. Yep. And he didn't. So now we look at a situation where, okay, you're having to decide between Virginia, Duke, and staying at Clemson. Okay, if you really wanted to move up to the big times, you shot yourself in the foot last year. You took a chance that you could come back, Clemson would do amazing things, and then you get off of these big-time jobs after the season's over. That chance backfired because we look at what Clemson did this season. But you still got opportunities to coach college football in the ACC. I think when you really look at it, you know, Duke, you're always going to be a basketball program. We get that. We've seen what David Cutcliffe has done. Virginia, you know, there is tradition there with Virginia when it comes to football. And I think that would be a nice landing spot. But here's the gamble. The gamble is going to be if he comes back to Clemson and he says, okay, look, Dabo, we're going to do this thing on offense. I'm going to give it one more year here. I'm going to see if we can get this thing lined up really nice. And then another big-time school is going to make a run at me, and I can take that next year. Like, that's what you're doing when you come back to Clemson. You're you're saying, okay, I don't want to deal with these two smaller jobs right now. I would like the chance at a bigger opportunity, one that I turned down last year. That would be the reason why you return to Clemson. Just because if you want a head coaching job – there's not a lot of people out there, and you know this in this industry, they're going to get opportunities in Power Five conferences, like what he would get at Virginia or even Duke. Trey Wallace has been our guest. Uh, you can read his work at outkick.com. Trey, Chad and I were both at the SEC championship game as ticketed patrons to get into the the Dome. I'm assuming the the feature story that you're going to post tomorrow will not include us, but it may include a fan. Uh, can you give us a preview of what's posting tomorrow at the site? 
Yeah, looking looking forward to that. Uh, did an interview this afternoon with somebody who decided he wanted to act like a media member um, <laughs> as a last resort to get into the SEC championship game. And by God, he got into the SEC championship game wow. as a media member. Um, it it it's a wild story. I sat down. We did it through video, uh, so people are going to be able to see this 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 young man explain everything in his words. Um, he's also got a twenty four minute video that we'll post inside the article of how he did it. But getting into the title game without having a media credential and and Paul and you guys, you know how tough it is to get into these places. You got to have lanyard lanyards, everything. But this guy decided to uh, not spend 1200 bucks, and he snuck his way into the stadium, and uh, the media people just let him right in. So you'll hear that story tomorrow on Outkick.com. I cannot wait to, to, to read this and see the video also. That's great. At Trey Wallace underscore is where you can find him. You can also read his work at Outkick.com. Trey, thank you as always. Hey, guys. Have a great weekend. Appreciate y'all. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com. They're covering the SEC and more. Uh, coming up. At least one big thing on every Week 14 game across the NFL. That's next on OutKick 360. Steelers and Vikings tonight. Three of the Steelers' last five games of the regular season will come against division leaders. Tennessee, Kansas City, and Baltimore. But tonight, they get the struggling Vikings. Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick network as we give you one big thing on every NFL Week 14 game. It's presented by FanDuel. FanDuel.com slash OK360 is where you can go to sign up and place your up to $1,000 risk-free bet as long as it's your first bet at FanDuel.com slash OK360. Rapid fire here. Falcons at Panthers. There was a first last week for Atlanta. It took 12 games for a wideout for the Falcons to have a 100-yard game for Atlanta. That is... That's... That's bad. That's wow. That's, that's a tough Considering tough how much they throw, and they're really missing Calvin Ridley, and of course, Julio Jones is now a Titan. The Panthers have they the best defense him. in the NFC. They have the uh, best pass defense among any NFL team. Best defense in the NFC, best pass defense across the National Football League. Ravens will travel to Cleveland where Baltimore ranks 31st in pass defense. They went for two because Harbaugh didn't trust what was going on in their secondary if that game went to overtime against Pittsburgh. Now they travel to Cleveland. But good news for Baltimore is Cleveland wants to run the football and they do it well. Nick Chubb has missed three games this year. Kareem Hunt has missed five games this year, and Cleveland still rushes on average for 147 yards per game. They get it done on the ground. They maul people, and I, I find it hard, I'm hard pressed to believe that they're going to throw it all all over Baltimore just because that's how you beat Baltimore. I think this is going to be a ground and pound. But throw one over the top to supplement. Yep. Uh, Seahawks travel to Houston to take on the Texans. Russell Wilson wants to reconnect with DK Metcalf. Uh, the wideout, just 13 receptions for 120 yards over the last four games combined. This is a guy that right out of the shoot had eight touchdown receptions. Then Russell Wilson got hurt. DK Metcalf is an afterthought in that offense, and I have no idea why. They've got to get him the football. This is the week 
to bet DK Metcalf at FanDuel.com. I'm stacked in one fantasy league, and I contemplate sitting him. All they need is 14 points. Houston, by the way, averages 13 points a game on offense. They've been shut out twice. There have been five shutouts this year across the National Football League. Houston is responsible for two of them offensively. Raiders are in Kansas City. The Chiefs are hosting Vegas. The Raiders have lost four of their last five games. They have failed to score 17 points in any of those losses. The Chiefs have held their last two opponents to 10 points or less in those games, and their last five opponents have not scored more than 17 points in a game. It's their defense that's leading the way for KC. And again, the Raiders' offense has not been good. Raiders win, and they're only a game and a half out. Yeah, which is, I mean, that division is outstanding. Outstanding. Uh, The Saints will travel to New York to take on the Jets, travel to Jersey. They were five and two. They're now five and seven. They've been terrible as of late. The Jets, they've thrown 20 interceptions this season. That is five more than any other team across the NFL. Um, that is, that's really bad. Taysom Hill's really all splinted up. He told coaches, watch, I'm going to do everything I can. Watch me and tell me if there's something wrong with it. Taysom Hill pre-injury, uh, not a great quarterback. Post-hand injury, really not a good quarterback. That's ne- what we're seeing. Neither is their alternative. No. Washington hosts Dallas in what could be the game of the week. Um, you've got McCarthy all but guaranteeing a Dallas win as they come off their bye. Uh, Washington, the only team in the NFL that will play their final five games against their own division. It's a weird scheduling quirk for them, but that's also in their favor because if with a win, they're right back in the thick of it. They already are, but with a win, they're right back in the thick of it for the division, and then they play their division all the way through. Watch out for Washington because, again, they're one of those red-hot teams right now. They're winning at the right time. Last four weeks, Ezekiel Elliott has not been good. He rushed for 41 yards against Atlanta, 32 against Kansas City, 45 against New Orleans, 25 yards against Vegas on Thanksgiving Day. Give me more Pollard. Broncos hosting the Lions. Detroit actually rushed the passer last week. They had a couple of sacks, and that was a big difference in the game. They were able to get to Kirk Cousins three times, actually. That was more than the entire month of November combined for the Lions' defense. Teddy Bridgewater has thrown for 16 touchdowns. That is the most he's ever had in a season. Denver's quarterback, and he protects the football. Lions, an interesting road team. Will that be an upset special for me tomorrow? Giants uh, traveling to the Chargers. Austin Eckler leading all NFL running backs in touchdown receptions for the season. Uh, Offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, I mentioned this yesterday. Here's the specifics. Since he's been gone, since he was fired, they have one touchdown on 22 offensive possessions in New York. They were bad when he was there. They remain bad. Bengals hosting the 49ers. Trey Hendrickson, maybe the the signing of the last offseason. He has 11 and a half sacks for Cincinnati, a team that only had 17 as a team last year. He has a sack in eight consecutive games. Meanwhile, George Kittle, back from injury. He scored a touchdown in all five games since he returned from injury for San Francisco. I'll take Judon, but Hendrickson's a heck of a deal, too. Bucks are hosting the Bills. Tom Brady has not been sacked in six of his 12 starts this season. Buffalo, meanwhile, gets after the passer. There's only one game where they have not recorded a sack. Buffalo, the only NFL defense this season that has not allowed a 100-yard receiver. Watch out for that game. That could be 
uh, are a really fun game to watch. That is a 325 kickoff on Sunday. If nationally. you don't throw any passes against them, they can't sack <laughs> they you. They can't sack you. Uh, Bears and Packers on Sunday night football. The Packers have lost each of the last four seasons coming off their bye week. Chicago's terrible, though. They have a top 10 defense, but they've lost seven of the last eight games because they can't move the football offensively. And then Monday night football. Cardinals hosting the Rams. We haven't kicked off week 14, and Cooper Cup is already over 100 receptions on the season. And the Cardinals are the first 10-win team of the season. Titans and Jaguars, also in week 14, will preview that matchup coming up a bit later in today's show. But when we come back, the headlines of the day, I mentioned Mike McCarthy, extremely confident. We'll give you the quote that he told the Dallas Press today about the Cowboys team that travels to Washington. And uh, ESPN's connecting some coordinators to head coaching jobs already across the league. Details on that next. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer.